Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks! To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than... Your host... I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I really appreciate all the fantastic feedback that you give. You know, when you send the emails to Duke Loves Wrestling at Gmail or you hit me up on Twitter and Facebook. And one of the things that is really cool is when you make suggestions about who should be guests on the show. I mean, you always give me some great ideas, and it's good to know who the fans are supporting, especially at particular times through the years there. One person who I have gotten an overwhelming response since season one of WoW Superheroes on Access TV has been the Beast. I mean, so many of you have demanded, Duke, we want to hear from the Beast. We want to hear from the Beast. Where is she at? When are you going to get her on the show? So, you know, I I, I had to pull little strings here. You know, the the world's greatest attorney, Sofia Lopez, I had her uh, threaten to sue David McLean, if he didn't uh, honor my request, and David finally buckled to the pressure. So, without further ado, you've been asking for, we got her, the Beast of WoW Superheroes. Beast, how are you today? Ah, how you doing? I'm awesome. I am awesome as well. And, and listen, let me tell you something. I am so excited because this Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Access TV, it is the season two season finale of Wild Superheroes, two-hour special here, and you finally get your shot at Tessa Blanchard. So, so how does that feel to finally get this championship match that you've been clawing and scraping and trying to get for so long? It feels like a long time coming. It feels like it's going to be real painful for Tessa Blanchard, and it feels like it's going to be a good time for anybody who watches. I have to ask because – just watching the evolution of the beast going all the way back to season one till today, I mean, you have really come on the, the stage and you've taken the wrestling world by storm. What do you attribute your success to? I mean, how is it that you've been able to accomplish so much in such a short amount of time? I'm just myself, man. When I call myself the beast, it's not a gimmick. It's not just a name. It's how I live my life. Every part of my life, I live my life hard, no excuses. You you wake up early. You go to bed late. You put in 150%. I'm saying 100% is not good enough. If you're on time, you're late. That's how I live my life. And I think people see that. I think people can can get behind that. And I think there's a little part of people. When I get my hands on one of them opponents that are excited to see what kind of damage I'm going to put on them, what kind of hurt I'm going to give them. Well, it's funny because, you know, recently you got your hands <laughs> on none other than Faith the Lioness, another uh, young up-and-coming competitor, and you just completely <laughs> ripped her to shreds. I mean, it was so vicious. It was so detailed, the way that you brought pain to her life. What was that all about? Were you really focused on, on Faith, or were you thinking about some other people you wanted to get your hands on? 
I focus on whatever's in front of me at that moment. And if she thought she was big enough to step in the ring with the biggest and the baddest, then I was going to have her the beatdown that she was asking for. Can I tell you, after that match, I got a call from PETA. I got a call from Child Protective Services. I got a call from her mother because apparently after that beatdown, she had a tap recital that she couldn't make it to. Isn't that sad? Oh, come on now, Beast. A tap recital? <laughs> that is just, you talk about a shot right there. We all know Faith the Lioness is a singer and a dancer, what have you. A tap recital. Oh, boy. And, you know. I mean, that night she wasn't a wrestler. At least not one for me. Well, it was more like uh, she was she was a feast for the beast, so to speak. There. Yes, I like that. A feast for the beast. Speaking of which, you've had a very interesting feud going on with somebody who, for many years, was the face of Wild Superheroes. I'm talking about none other than Jungle Girl. A lot of folks draw comparisons between you and her. You know, they say Jungle Girl is, is the face of the past, but the Beast may be the face of the future here. What do you say to those comparisons made uh, between the two of you there? I will give, and I hope I hope you're, someone's recording this right now because this is one of the only times I'm going to say this, but I will give Jungle credit. I will give Jungle Girl credit. For 18 years, she dominated WOW. For 18 years, she had a streak that, that no one could touch. She was the biggest thing that WOW had going, and I say was because now there's a bigger and badder face on WOW, and it's the beast. And I can't help but now that I am there, now that I am in WOW, all Jungle can do now is whine about how she plays by the rules and how it doesn't work for her. And all she can do is talk about her 18-year streak and, and all the interruptions of her matches. And now it's like those crusty feet she refuses to cover up in the ring. She is getting tired and corny. Let me just say, now that I'm here... I hope she enjoyed those 18 years she had because it's over now. She had those 18 years. She was she was tough. She was on top. And now it's my time. And so whoever's making those comparisons are absolutely right because she cannot stop me. She cannot stand toe-to-toe with me. She can't face me on her best day, and I will prove it every time we get in the ring together. Wow, you talk about some strong words there. And and listen, you've proven that you can stand toe-to-toe with Jungle Girl, whether it be in the locker room where you're driving her through a door, whether it be in the ring. So uh, I'm not going to question what you said there. I'm just going to take it as the gospel, so to speak. My, and she my knows goodness. it, too, because she, she had to sneak up behind me with a chair. Really? So forget Queen of the Ring, forget Jungle Girl. She's just a snake in the grass. But I got a lawnmower just for her. I got her. I'm ready to cut her down. <laughs> We're talking to the beast of wow superheroes. Something that I find very interesting, especially when it pertains to wow superheroes, you're talking about a television show about the strongest, most intelligent, most talented women on the planet and you're all being presented in such a, a fantastic, positive light. And you in particular, you're somebody who has worked so hard and you've earned the opportunity to be one of the top featured stars in Wild Superheroes. 
and this is all on on primetime TV. How does that feel to to be a person of color, to be a woman, and to be presented in such a positive, strong light where you're allowed to be yourself on international TV every week? I mean, to be honest, it feels amazing because being with WOW, they, they do showcase highlight women of all different backgrounds, sizes, uh, shapes, ethnicities. So anyone you want to stand behind, you can. But for me personally, I don't look like everyone else. And there's a lot of times where they tell you looking like I look, it's not okay. You know what I'm saying? Whether it be color, the tattoos, the size, they tell you it's not okay, it's not right. But there's going to be some little girl out there. There's going to be some grown woman out there who's going to see me being myself and being strong. And that's going to impact them in a positive way. And I can appreciate that. And I hope that happens on a daily basis. You know what I'm saying? I get a lot of young girls who hit me up through social media or whose parents come up to me and let me know that, you know, they look up to me because of me being strong and me being unique and me being myself. And that is so important to me because one day that little girl or that little woman is going to realize that she can be whatever she wants to be, maybe because she saw me. That's awesome. That is super awesome. We don't have role models like that on an everyday basis. So I'm proud, and I take it very serious to be one of those. And let me tell you something. You have done a fantastic job. Again, it's the fact that you're allowed to be yourself. This isn't a character. This is who you are. And every single week we get to see the power. We get to see the fact that you're so intelligent, you've been able to position yourself to be in the main event. The fact that, you know, we see the beauty. We see it all rolled up into one. And, again, this is on primetime television for the entire world to see. This is what WOW Superheroes presents to the world, and it's a model that, you know, everybody can follow. So it's, it's really impressive to see. We've talked about everything else. Let's get to the main event here. Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Access TV, WOW Superheroes, the Beast is going to challenge Tessa Blanchard for the Wild Superheroes World Championship. What's going to happen? <laughs> you know what's going to happen. Let's not play these games. Look, there's a reason this third-generation phenom has been running from me. There's a reason why this woman who, I mean, I've read online, people are saying that she is the most gifted wrestler on the planet. That's cool. That's a cool-ass way to have. I don't care. All I care about is that she has the Wild World Championship and that I want it and that it's mine. So when we get in the ring this Saturday, what's going to happen is not only am I going to put her through that mat, I'm going to put her through the building. I am gonna put, I'm going to hit her so hard with so much force that I want people to cringe. I want people to write letters asking if she's okay. I want them to send flowers and condolences, and I want to show everyone who really is the undeniable queen of the ring. It's me. These are strong words coming from a strong woman, the Beast. Listen, Beast, if the fans want to continue to reach out to you, I mean, you, you mentioned the fact that you have folks from young kids to adults finding inspiration in what you bring to the table on a weekly basis there. If they want to reach out to you, what's the best way they can find you online? You can find me on social media at wow underscore the beast. 
or you can go to at wow superheroes and it'll link you to me or you can just go on the website www.wowe.com but most importantly watch watch this saturday boy i got something coming for tessa blanchard I can't wait. I'm telling you, I'm, this is the most anticipated match in the history of Wild Superheroes. It's the most anticipated match in the history of Access TV. So I can't wait to see when the Beast challenges Tessa Blanchard this Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Wild Superheroes. It's the two-hour season finale. And also, folks, don't forget, you can head over to uh, www.wowe.com. Wow Superheroes has some great merchandise, so you can also support the Beast by picking up your own Beast shirt and, and see some other things that they're going to be putting out there. I believe they got a great deal with Pro Wrestling Tees, so there's going to be continued great merchandise put out there, especially if you want to support the Beast. Listen, Beast, I, I'm going to just wish you good luck. I know that you are definitely up to the challenge. Tessa Blanchard technically is the best wrestler in the world, at least in my book. So if you defeat Tessa Blanchard for that Wild Superheroes <laughs> Championship. When? I, when I, I, I defeat. Yes. Okay. When you defeat her. That's I right. may have to pronounce to the entire world that the Beast is the new greatest wrestler in the world. What do you think about that? I think it's going to happen. So you get ready. You write out a good little, a good little speech that you're going to say because it's going to happen. I want my theme music playing in the background when it does. I'm going to tell you right now, the Beast is somebody who is so powerful, so determined. There is no doubt in my mind she is going to give Tessa Blanchard the toughest challenge that she has ever faced in her career. I'm telling you, I can't wait for Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the WoW Superhero Season 2 finale. It's going to be something else. I'm just telling you, folks, you got to check it out. The Beast has been chasing Tessa Blanchard all season long. What's going to happen? That's a big question. I'm telling you. Welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling. What's going on? I am so pumped up. I'll tell you, we got a packed show this week. You just heard from the Beast of Wild Superheroes. I also have my guy, Harry Burkett of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. He's going to come along and he's going to talk about the PWI Women's 100. It's the top women's wrestlers in the world, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. They put the list out there and you can imagine I have some concerns about that list. That's for sure. I'm also going to go over some of the top stories in pro wrestling. But before we get to any of that stuff, my man. Roy Lusher, the super fan, I asked him to provide to all of you what he feels is the top classic match of the week. This is something that you can go online, especially on YouTube. You can find this match. He's talking about the history of this match and why he feels you should check it out. So without further ado, have a listen to my man, Roy Lusher, the super fan. He's going to give you the top classic match of the week right now. What do you have for us this week, man? Because I know you got something special. I, I know you're a guy. You're my go-to guy. You're, you're the go-to guy for a lot of wrestlers from around the world when they want to find some of the best matches that ever happened that's still available to be seen. 
What do you got for us this week? This week I want to go with a Lucha Libre match that's been discussed a lot over the last 25 years. A lot of it is legend at this point, and I'll explain why. But the match I want to go with this week is Mascara Sagrada against Black Cat from Triple Mania 2B in Zapopan from May 15th, 1994. Now, a little backstory of this match was Mascara Sagrada and Black Cat have been feuding up until this point. Sagrada is like, you know, he's, he's not a big muscular guy, but, he, you know, he's a, he's a big, pretty tough guy. Um, if you taped a bunch, I'm, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if Sagrada's like, you know, a big, tough guy, like the kind, like a bar fight guy that you really don't want to mess with. I mean, he's not the most technical, he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, but with the package that he has putting it all together, he's just, he fights a lot with his heart in the ring. He gets, you know, the, he's a technico, so he gets beat up a lot and then makes that big comeback at the end. Black Cat is Victor Marr, who's probably mostly known as a mid-carder from New Japan. So you watch a lot of, like, early to mid to late 90s New Japan, and you see Black Cat there. You know, he wasn't a main eventer. He wasn't, like, you know, nothing special, but... The dude spoke multiple languages. He was a go-to in between promotions for AAA in New Japan and, and many other promotions. So what AAA did in 1994 was they had the Los Gringos Locos group, Love Machine, Eddie Guerrero, Conan, Madonna's boyfriend, Luis Piccoli, a Chicano Power, and they also had Black Cat as a part of the Gringos Locos group. For those un unfamiliar with them, Gringos Locos was a group of uh, Americans down in Mexico who basically, you know, Gringos Locos, crazy white guys that basically were better than the Mexicans down there and would flaunt it and show it in the ring and stuff like that. Well, Black Cat got in the suit with Mascara Sagrada, which led up to a mask versus mask match at Triple Mania. Now, going back a little bit, in case the listeners aren't aware, in Mexico, there is a banned move down there. Think, you know, back in the NWA and AWA days, how throwing someone over the top rope is a DQ. Well, in Mexico, if you do the dreaded tombstone pile driver, which down there is called the Martinete, if you do the Martinete, it's an automatic DQ. There was a famous mask versus mask match with Blue Panther and Love Machine in April of 92, where Love Machine wasn't familiar with this rule did the tombstone and ended up losing his mask over it. So anyone who does the tombstone, the match is automatically over because you get DQ'd and, and all that stuff. Well, the week before, I want the week before, two weeks before the mask versus mask match, there was uh, Mascara Sagrada did the tombstone to Black Cat and got DQ'd and lost the match. And so fans went into this, you know, remembering that match. Come May 15th, here we are, the mask versus mask match at Triple Mania. The first fall was just unbelievable. And a little backstory on this, by the way, is that Dave Meltzer was actually there live in Zappapon for Triple Mania and flew down for the event. So a lot of what we have on this is what Meltzer put in the Observer, where he talked about, and I remember this quote word for word, for one night, the fans got to see Black Cat become Ric Flair. The first fall was just insane with the pacing, the near falls, the, the intensity, 
the mask ripping, just how intense the first fall was and stuff. And Sagrada ended up, like, pulling through and getting that first fall. Well, here comes the second fall, and it's more of the same from the first fall with a lot of brawling back and forth and all that. And Black Cat teases that he's going to do the Martinetti to him. Sagrada reverses it and puts him in position for the tombstone, and he actually hits Black Cat with the tombstone. So the end of the second fall is that Oscar Sagrada gets disqualified, and, you know, now it's one fall apiece. The problem is in Mexico, the third fall, you got to remember that the tombstone is declared like a killer move, like it's over. It's it's the most deadly move in Mexican history. So Sagrada, uh, Black Cat can't even get up for it. He's there. Medic, the medical people are in the ring. They're, you know, like it's Hayabusa, like he broke his neck. I mean, they're they're moving him around. He's he's paralyzed. He's not moving. So what does the ref do? He starts counting. Black Cat has until the count of ten to get up. And because the Martinetti is such a deadly move, he can't do it. He's like counted out, like a ref stop. And Sagrada ends up being the winner of the match and wins the mask of Black Cat. The medical people are trying to get Black Cat out of there. However, it's a mass versus mass stipulation. You know, there's a commission in Mexico, and, you know, it's a, it's a lot different than America. There actually is a commission down there that makes sure that stipulations are appended, that promoters are held to being, you know, up, upright and, you know, coming through with what they say they're going to. So they literally, they're trying to get the medical people are trying to get him out, but they've got to get his mask off, and he's not moving. He's paralyzed. So they, the referee takes scissors and goes underneath the mask and slowly goes through until he gets the mask off completely and reveals, you know, Victor Mars' face and all that. And just the drama with it alone, I mean, I, I guess the closest thing I could think to this would be like, Savage Steamboat, not, not I'm not Savage Steamboat, uh, Savage Warrior at WrestleMania 7, where the end had such a dramatic, emotional finish that every fan in the building was just standing and, and cheering and, you know, like, what's going to happen next? So as far as the video goes, this is also part of the legend, too. The week after the match aired, or the week after the match happened, on Triple A's TV show, they showed the match, but they showed a 13-minute version of it with four or five minutes of it being the entrance of the match and the uh, Dr. Alfonso Morales talking about the history of the feud before the match. So technically, there's only about like seven and a half, eight minutes of the actual match that aired on there. So if you saw that, you're thinking, well, what is Meltzer talking about? What was the big huge deal about this match. Later that year, AAA ended up doing, in December, they didn't have any uh, new tapes to show, so they did best of for the year, well, all the best matches from 1994. I remember it was like three weeks of best of stuff. There was week one where, I mean, it was all matches you had seen before, week two, more matches. Week three, lo and behold, and I did not have a VHS ready at the time because I was at a friend's house watching it, they show Black Cat versus Mosca Sagrada from bell to bell complete, all 25 minutes of it. 
over the years, one person has had the match up on his YouTube channel was Rob Viper, but the video ended up, and his entire channel got ended up taken down, and Rob Viper doesn't know where to find the video. So it's almost like holy grail level, where the hell is this match at at this point with Kat Sagrada. Now, about two, three months ago, I ended up getting the eight-minute clipped version, but I'm on the hunt for that 25-minute version because I would love the fans to see, like, this, what I believe got four and three-quarter stars in the Observer, uh, one of the most insane, memorable matches that I've ever seen. As a tape trader, as, as somebody who, you know, lived through that, that time period where people from all over the world would, would share the information and, and trade tapes and see things that you wouldn't normally be able to see, it's just amazing to, to hear that the one known full match was on YouTube and then it was taken down, and now no one knows where it is, basically. Everyone's on the hunt yep. for this, this this match. That's fascinating. How no one um, how no one burned it when it was up and decided to save it for themselves. It, yeah. it, you know that's crazy. And what's interesting about all this, Roy, and and folks listening, I mean, you know, you you've heard Roy on the show uh, through the years, and and you've heard Roy's uh, Japanese uh, wrestling podcast, and you. I know you've seen his wrestling channel. I know you've seen some matches that he's put up through the years as well. Roy, you were one of the people who were the the inspiration behind WWE Network's Hidden Gems. Yes. Where they they play old, hard-to-find matches that, you know, previously folks weren't able to find anywhere. It's because you and, and other folks just like you were uploading these matches, and they were gold. A lot of the stuff that WWE didn't even know that they had, if they had it. So yeah, it's, just, it's really cool to hear you uh, tell that story about that match. And uh, any idea where we can find the eight minute clip? You know what specifically should be be searched to see if we can find the clip. Look up Mascara Sagrada versus Black Cat, Triple A, so A A A, Triple Mania Two B, May fifteenth, nineteen ninety four. Uh, I have the match on both my Daily Motion and my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel, the Roy Lucia AAA one. Um, it's one of the most recent ones that I put up on that channel, so it shouldn't be like that hard to find. Now, be aware there are other Moscow Sagrada versus Black Cat matches up on um, YouTube, and that's the singles match from the week or two weeks before with the tombstone finish that ended the match. So you, you specifically have to look for the Mascara Sagrada versus Black Cat uh, Triple Mania match. So you have to put like Triple A, Triple Mania, May 15, 1994, in, in order to find the match. Now, another thing I did want to tell the listeners, by the way, is uh, this is twofold, by the way. As you know personally, I am a collector of rare Lucha figures. Now, the AAA Kellyan figures that came out in 1994, they released 12 figures. Nine of them were widely available, but three of them were limited edition for some reason. Rey Mysterio Jr., Psicosis, and Mascara Sagrada were, were very limited and can only be gotten like in a limited uh, number, like maybe one per case or only released in certain areas of Mexico. There, because it's a kid's toy, the belief is that 
there is less than 30 in the world of the Mascara Sagrada figure in the package. A year ago, I ended up finding a German eBay seller who put them up for auction, the Ray Sikosis and Mascara Sagrada, and I actually put in an opening bid of 200 American dollars. He was the opening bid was 225 euro, 200 American. And I remember the auction ended at like five in the morning, and I actually set my alarm for 4:30 in the morning to get on there just in case someone tried to outbid me. Lo and behold, no one else bid, so I ended up getting Sagrada and Ray. And uh, I got Ray to sign his figure in uh, December in Stockton. Sagrada was one of the last three that I needed to get signed. Lo and behold, he was working a show in San Jose about three, four weeks ago. Uh, I think it was October 12th. He worked the show in San Jose. And I messaged him on Facebook, and I told him, uh, sir, I, I've been a fan of yours for a long time and all this, and I explained to him about my figure that I had to get signed. Sagrada agreed to meet me that morning. We went out for breakfast at Denny's, and he told me the history of that Sagrada black cat match. And he told me that he's been a part of 30 mask matches his entire career. He even took the mask of the legendary Fishman in Mexico. But he always says that the most important or the uh, best match from his standpoint as far as, like, work rate and how good the match was will be the black cat match. So, I mean, that's how much that he respected and, and enjoyed being a part of that match. Hell of a bonus story there, Roy. We really appreciate that. Uh, we know that the figure collection community is so huge. And just the fact, I mean, folks, you got to check out. Roy, tell them where they can find you on Twitter as well. Look me up on Twitter. It, it's Roy Lucier, R-O-Y-L-U-C-I-E-R is my handle. You know, I'm always posting videos on there or photos. Right now, a friend of mine, Chris Braidland, he wrestles in NXT of Sasha Sono. Him and I have been discussing magazines and stuff like that, and I'm going through my magazine collection, uh, magazine by magazine, to bag and board them and, you know, categorize them and stuff like that. So while I go through the magazines, these are like Japanese magazines from 1969 to 1998 that I'm going through. If I see something like historic, like, I found a photo the other day, and it was like Dory Funk Jr. after he beat Anoki in Tokyo in 69, and he's flanked with Harley Race and Dory Funk Sr. by his side. You know, I post photos like that, or if I if I go through, you know, just something rare. Like, last night, I found photos of the Vader-Hansen match from the Tokyo Dome February 10th, 1990. What It's commonly referred to as the match where Vader's eye pops out, and I posted photos of, of that match with, you know, you could see how serious the eye injury was. <laughs> You'll remember this. I found a Mexico video where Norman Smiley is doing an interview with Black Magic and challenging Kamala, you know, and he's dressed like a magician and, you know, <laughs> welcome to my world, uh, Kamala, we are the same, but then again, we're not. I don't fear you. And, you know, I always just try to post little quirky, memorable things that I think the community would enjoy and get a kick out of or bring back some positive memories for people that, you know, may have seen it before 
and want to remember, oh, God, I remember that, or they've never seen it before and they want to educate themselves on it or, you know, something to pop one of the boys. Did you see that promo I posted with Sean Waltman the other day? I sure did. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, you know, I, I find little funny things like that. It's like i got to put this up immediately. And, you know, it's just I've been a fan since 81, and I've been a hardcore fan since 92. And I've got magazines, tapes, photos. And, you know, I just want to try to get up as much stuff as I can just to, you know, uh, give back to the community that's been so good to me, you know, over the years. How awesome was that? I'm telling you, Roy Lusher, he is so excited when he talks about pro wrestling, whether he's talking about the memorabilia in form of the different tapes and DVDs. He's talking action figures. He has an amazing magazine collection, which he mentioned, and you definitely got to look him up on, on Twitter. Please, it is amazing some of the stuff that you'll see from Roy Lusher. I'm going to tag him. So you folks will be able to just click on him and what have you. I'm going to tag him on Twitter at Duke Loves Wrestling. So you'll be able to then follow Roy Lusher. The guy is just, he has a treasure trove of pro wrestling stuff. And it's just awesome. Love it. So thank you, Roy. We'll definitely have you back again soon to give us another match because that, that was just cool. You know, really cool stuff there. It's funny because... So much is going on in, in, in pro wrestling, folks. It, there's just so much to talk about, and it's constantly changing. I mean, when I think about the fact that NXT and AEW on Wednesday nights, they've just been tearing it up, man. They've been putting their best foot forward in a lot of ways, although I think that there's still a long way to go on both fronts. And you hear me talk about AEW and, and some things that they are lacking in. But there's definitely a lot of positive going on on their front as well. I mean, they have a great commentary team. Their production value is solid. When you look at their product, there's a big match feel to everything that they do just from a visual standpoint. If you were to show somebody who's not a wrestling fan, AEW, one of the first things they're going to say, and I've tested this out numerous times, one of the first things they're going to say is that it looks like a big deal. When you show them NXT, it looks a lot more niche right which i love by the way it's gritty it's kind of old school looking but it's really cool it's defiant they don't necessarily need the big arena and what have you it it looks a little darker um that may not be appealing to the casual fan so much on the flip side of the coin though this is something that you cannot deny nxt delivers the much better wrestling. I mean, just there's there's more in-ring wrestling content if you were to time it. And in addition to that, the quality of the wrestling, everybody looks like they know what they're doing. Even when they mess up, they look like they know what they're doing, especially in comparison to what's going on in AEW where they're just all over the place. I mean, they, they just, they're all over the place. I will say though, this week, it was interesting to see Scorpio Sky, a guy that... He's in a, a, a tag team with Christopher Daniels and, and Frankie Kazarian, right? SoCal Uncensored. They're finally doing with Scorpio Sky what I've been asking for from the beginning. Why isn't Scorpio Sky in singles matches? Okay? There is no reason for a company that has zero black male singles wrestlers in the title hunt 
Why wouldn't you take Scorpio Sky and use him in that role? And he's just one example, right? Even Cody Rhodes said he doesn't understand why there aren't more black wrestlers in the industry and something should be done about that. You have a wrestling company, do something about it. Well, Scorpio Sky is in a program with Jericho now. He's going to face Jericho next week on AEW Dynamite, and it's going to be for the AEW Championship. That's great. What took you so long? We, we shouldn't have had to wait for that. Christopher Daniels has had a bunch of singles matches. Why couldn't you do that with Scorpio Sky from the beginning? It's ridiculous. Sonny Kiss. Where's Sonny Kiss? Come on. So, hey, look, don't get me started here. I will say something, though. This kid, Darby Allen, he has the worst punches in the business. I got to admit that. But I will not deny the fact that Darby Allen has something. There's something there with this kid. The little kids in the audience, they're taken to him. He reminds me of Jeff Hardy in a lot of ways. He's much smaller than Jeff Hardy, not as solid as a wrestler as Jeff Hardy. But I feel like he's transcending. And even purists like myself have to admit he's appealing to somebody in the audience. And when you can appeal to the younger generation, there's something there, man. He's riding around on a skateboard. He's got his face painted. He's Jeff Hardy. He's, he's, he's a... A less talented Jeff Hardy, but he's Jeff Hardy. So, shout out to Darby Allen. I think the kid has a bright future. He just has to keep himself healthy. Uh, so, there's some good things going on. On the other side, with NXT, I mean, Jesus, Becky Lynch, she was in the first program on NXT. She came back. She's a top wrestler in the business, and she was on NXT. She took on Rhea Ripley in a match, which was awesome, by the way. They just, you know, they, they just, they do wrestling right. And everybody and their mother, even Seth Rollins was on NXT this past week, Week, and it was great. I was at Raw, and the NXT people, they invaded Raw. You know they're going to invade SmackDown. There's a lot of cross-branding going on, and it's leading up to this weekend's Survivor Series, which is going to be awesome. And in fact, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about Survivor Series too much this week, because I'm going to do a full recap next week. I'll get somebody to come on, we'll do a full recap of the, the whole weekend, there's an NXT TakeOver on Saturday. There's Survivor Series on Sunday. It's just going to be a, a action-packed weekend of pro wrestling. And on top of that, while superheroes, as I mentioned earlier, they got a two-hour season finale happening 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on, on uh, Saturday. So just a lot of wrestling content, which is awesome. It's great for the business. I can't wait. Something that's not great for the business is Jim Cornette got himself in trouble again. Big trouble. Made a a very racist remark on the latest episode of NWA Power. And it was edited out. So, you know, you're going to have to go to TMZ or someplace to find what to hear what Cornette said from his own mouth. But let me just tell you something. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous, has no place anywhere. And Jim Cornette is a guy that he his his act is tired, it's embarrassing. And you know, I'm I'm gonna in fact I'm gonna save some thoughts. I'll I'll, I'll share some more thoughts a little later on in the show about him because I got a lot to say. Okay. Uh what's interesting is that the WWE just released Jordan Miles. No, he had the the, the T shirt. 
that he accused the WWE of, of creating a racist T-shirt, even though he objected to it and, and gave them an alternative. They still went forward with it. He quit online, which that's not how it works. But they granted his release officially today, you know, November 21st, Thursday. So, hey, I guess it worked out. He said he quit and they said, OK, fine, you quit. You're done. So congratulations, Jordan Miles. Hopefully this will allow him to start doing what he wants to do. And, and I'll tell you right now, all of you promoters out there, all of you wrestling companies out there, you need to get it together. This is what happens when you don't have people in the room who can who can do some serious quality control and say, hey, you know, don't, don't do that. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. And when the talent tells you, hey, that looks offensive. Don't do that. Maybe you should listen. Vince McMahon, maybe you should listen. So, you know. And Jordan Miles already booked. He's already on at least three or four shows already. So, for anyone who's saying that he's going to ruin his career by standing up for himself and calling out the WWE the way that he did, egg on your face. Kids getting booked. Say whatever you want. Kids getting booked. So, there's something to be said about standing up for what you know is right. So, shout out to Jordan Miles. Well, he's not Jordan Miles anymore. ACH. And don't forget the super. So super ACH. Shout out to him. Good guy. Good guy. That's right. You know, I don't want to belabor the point here because I got I got to dig into Harry Burkett of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. We got to go over this women's 100 because I'm just fired up about that. Uh, I'm going to sip on my Navitas Organics. I got my green tea latte here. You know, I keep telling you folks about the Navitas Organics. You can head over to your local stores like Target and Walmart and CVS. You got to try their products out, man. I'm telling you, it is just, it's delicious. It really gives you a pick-me-up, whether we're talking about the cacao powder, which you can put in your smoothies, whether they're talking about the green tea lattes, the turmeric lattes. A lot of you folks have been really jumping on the turmeric latte bandwagon there which is good they have um uh matcha powder and all kinds of maca powder excuse me and all kinds of stuff but the matcha green tea latte is just the bomb i'm telling you right now the matcha green tea latte it is the bomb navitas organics you can make it at home you will love it you can even sprinkle the stuff on a bowl of fruit or put it in your yogurt it's just good stuff man gives you a nice boost it's healthy we're going into the holiday season. You know we're going to be eating a lot of bad stuff. Why not put some of the good stuff back into your body? Navitas Organics. You know what I'm talking about. Try it out. You'll love it. And now, my conversation with Harry Burkett. Folks, you know that we were heading in this direction. When I had this guy on the line the last time, when we were talking about the PWI 500, I begged, I pleaded, I threatened, I did the whole nine yards here. I said, Harry Burkett, Uncle Harry, don't let me down. Make sure when the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Women's 100, the list of the top 100 female wrestlers on the planet, make sure that punk Becky Lynch is not number one. Well, folks, if you've been paying attention the PWI Women's 100 has just been released. I'll give you a wild guess who was on the cover of that magazine, who's in the number one spot. So I, I got to bring him back, 
and it's just going to have to be a knockdown drag out. We, we knew this was coming. So without further ado, I, I'm going to say welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, but I, I'm, I'm a little frustrated with you. Uncle Harry Burkett. Hello, Harry. Oh, hi, Duke. Uh, I'm glad I'm still welcome on the program. And I do distinctly recall, I think two or three months ago, the last time I was on your show, you fired off your warning about Becky Lynch and that you did not want to see her as number one in the women's 100. And I have to admit, at that time, I already knew that the staff had decided that Becky Lynch was going to be number one, unless you're barring a dramatic uh, development. And it seems like we always have this disagreement. This year, it's Becky Lynch. Oh, boy, last year you gave me a really hard time about Ronda Rousey, like something about she didn't wrestle enough matches or something. And not to mention the 500, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns. It seems to me you like to be a maverick. You don't like to go with conventional wisdom because the number one person in all these rankings is usually an easy one. It's usually a consensus choice that's almost made for us. Oh, you know, Harry, and, and I know that you're just going to play your game today. I can already hear it in your voice. I already see what's going on here. Now, first of all, if you knew that that punk Becky Lynch, you were going to put her in the number one spot when you and I spoke, uh, you know, about two months ago, why didn't you warn me? Why did you allow me to sit here and hope and pray that my friend, the guy that I, I appreciate and that I tell the whole world is the best thing going, Harry Burkett, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, I'm a lifelong fan of that magazine. Why wouldn't you tip me off that you were going to put that punk Becky Lynch in the number one spot? Well, you know, sometimes when you have a friend and you think affectionately of your friend and you know you have really bad news, you just don't want to break it to that person. And I was thinking, well, maybe I'll speak to him again in the next couple months. Fortunately, the magazine came out before I could speak to you again. So I'm sorry if it uh, took you by surprise. It ruined it ruined my day, okay, when I first saw it. And I haven't been able to get over it. In fact, let's talk about the top five because okay. we're, we're going to go down a road here. And I'm telling you, man, I am just fired up over this. Can you give us your, the, 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 the top five top female wrestlers on the planet according to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, from the PWI Women's 100? Sure. Uh, number one, as we just mentioned, is Becky Lynch. Um, we just felt she had a phenomenal year, won her big match at WrestleMania, had her run as Becky Two Belts. Now, admittedly, she lost her luster a little bit throughout the summer during her endless series of matches against Lacey Evans. Uh, but we still felt like she had changed her career so dramatically and become the top person. It's just so hard to believe that this metamorphosis has happened in just one year's time. Uh, number two, Charlotte. Well, she's simply Charlotte. You know, she did everything that was required of her. She won some big matches. And even in the matches that she lost, like WrestleMania, she turned in MVP performances. And not to mention... Uh, well, I should mention, she beat Trish Stratus at SummerSlam, which is kind of a passing of the torch match. Uh, Ronda Rousey, number three. She was our number one pick last year. Uh, 
Now, she did have a heck of a lot more matches during this evaluation period. She had, I think, about 69 matches between uh, actually April 2018 and April 2019. So we thought that was pretty consistent. And Shayna Baszler, number four. And as we both know, she's getting a lot of recognition on the main roster right now. I still call it the main roster while it's back down. And number five, Tessa Blanchard. And, of course, we got to mention that uh, historic intergender match at Slammiversary 2019. Um, the great battle against Sammy Callahan. And I love I love the thing at the end where he, she even looked Sammy's uh, begrudging respect. You know, he didn't really give her a handshake, but sort of like a nod and pointed his bat at her. So we liked all that. So... Do you have a problem with any of these people being in the top five? Anybody in particular? <laughs> do I do I have a problem? Oh, no. <laughs> Good thing we're not mentioning the other ninety-five. Let let me count the ways, okay? <laughs> First of all, we we already pointed out the fact that you have Becky Lynch as number one, which is legitimately the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. How in how on 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 Odin's Green Planet, your top four women all be WWE women. How is that possible that the top four spots are all WWE women? Well, it seems to me that you're advocating WWE women for the top spots in the women's 100 at one point. But I know you've really jumped on the wow trade. Well, listen, all right, Harry, there's no need to, to bring up old stuff here. We're talking about what's happening now, so just... You know, you're not, you're not going to twist my words to fit your agenda here, Harry. Don't do that. Please don't call us fake uh, sports news, whatever you do. <laughs> you're kind of pushing the limits here, pal. First of all, let me just say this, and let's just get this out of the way. Tessa Blanchard, I respect you. I've never liked you. But I must admit, over the past 12 months, since the last PWI Women's 100, Till now, you have turned out not only the best women's performance in the world, you have turned out the best performance of any wrestler walking the entire galaxy, okay? In fact, I would have to go to, you know, light years, a million and one light years, to find somebody who could wrestle half as good as you've wrestled over the past year. So the fact that my good friend Harry Burke of Pro Wrestling Illustrated had the audacity to not stop his his other Pro Wrestling Illustrated staff folk from putting you in a, in a spot where you absolutely, it's so beneath, you should be number one, Tessa Blanchard. So, Harry Burkett, I want to understand from you, when you have uh-huh. a woman who's traveled all over the world, she's beaten men, she's beaten women, she's beaten me, you, your mother, and your cousin too, how the heck is Tessa Blanchard not number one? Well, and you're right. She has traveled all around the world. She's wrestled in Mexico. Um, you know, she's wrestled, uh, you know, but uh, it was Mercedes Martinez, 75-minute match. I mean, some incredible things. I think one thing that works against Tessa is, all that aside, Impact Wrestling is her home promotion. And the roster depth there isn't quite where we would want it to be compared to the women that's currently in WWE. And I think that's what worked against Tessa. But she still did jump 10 points compared to last year. Now, Harry, you, you, there's, there's no 
control this game here because you just admitted the fact that she's been wrestling all over the world. You and I both know that Tessa Blanchard is the WOW Superheroes World Champion, okay? Access TV, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, every Saturday. Tessa Blanchard's tearing it up with some of the best talent on the planet there. Jesse Jones, Amber O'Neill, Serpentine. Come on, Harry. You mean to tell me that the woman who can kick Sammy Callahan's butt, she can, she can beat up Brian Cage over an impact, she goes to Wild Superhero, she's beating up the Lioness. You want to sit here and try to tell me she was the Reina Duranas champion. She, she, like you said, she took on Mercedes Martinez. You want to tell me that that's not good enough to be number one in the women's 100? Come on. Well, I want to try to tell you that. <laughs> well, you have to compare it against the four women that beat her out. You know, there's not a vacuum. I mean, just think of the mainstream recognition that Becky Lynch has gotten in the past year. And really established herself as number one in WWE. WWE does have the greatest roster of women in wrestling right now. And same with Charlotte. Becky and Charlotte, you know, two birds of a feather, really. And Shayna, she's really been on a real tear over the past year. Wins over Kyrie Sane and uh, Iro Shirai. And it doesn't look like her streak, her momentum, is ending anytime soon. If anything... She's just at the cusp of it. So I think you have to consider the great momentum of Lynch, Charlotte, and Shayna, and the great year that Ronda had, even though it's come to an end, at least for now. I would say five is pretty good for a list of 100. No. Because when you look at 100, one thing that will strike you is how many people are left out altogether. Harry, it, it is it is legitimately. I know I, I say this to you every single year, especially as it relates to the to the PWI 500. This is legitimately the biggest uh, insult in the history of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. The fact that Becky Lynch, first of all, she shouldn't even be in the women's 100 because technically speaking, she's the man. Okay, <laughs> so I don't even right. understand how that even qualifies her to be on this list. We we can start there. Okay. Right. Uh, but the fact that you would put Becky Lynch, somebody who you know I have a lot of personal animosity towards, okay, because I just don't think that she is as great as everybody tries to make her out to be. Sasha Banks can destroy her. Alexa Bliss can destroy her. Charlotte Flair can destroy her. Natty can destroy her. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. So you're saying you're saying strictly in ring she doesn't carry the ball as many of her peers do. Becky Lynch couldn't even shine Tessa Blanchard's boots. This, this is a fact. We, we don't even have. Listen, if if you put Becky Lynch on the trying to say she card, couldn't beat Sammy Callahan, she couldn't beat Brian Cage. She couldn't beat Sammy Callahan. I don't even know if, if she could beat you. <laughs> I, mean, come on, I, I, I have a feeling she probably could. Well, I, I don't know. But Maybe I, some I, outside I just, interference from Seth. I just think look, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm, it, you guys are, are a legitimate publication, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. You are the class personified, the standard in all wrestling media. Here's what I propose. Take my edits. You guys can reissue the Women's 100, and, and, and I'll just reorder the top five, okay? So, so here we go. Number okay. one, Tessa Blanchard, okay? Number two. 
Shayna Baszler. Okay. Uh, number three, Charlotte Flair. Okay. Number four, and this is an important one now, Thunder Rosa. She's also, she also goes by Serpentine and WoW Superheroes. Legitimately, she is the hottest thing going in wrestling today other than Tessa Blanchard. So there we go. Thunder Rosa, number four. And number five, to round it all out, Oscar. That is your top five. There it is. Interesting. There it is. I'm just looking down our list to see where Thunder Rosa did place this year. Well, the fact that you even have to have to look that far down, I'm Harry, already pages, lets me Although, know. I'm a big Thunder Rosa fan, so I, I definitely get where you're coming from. Thunder Rosa pushed the, the number one wrestler in the world, Tessa Blanchard, to the limits in WoW Superheroes. And it was the first time they ever wrestled each other, and legitimately it was one of the greatest matches of the year, bar none. I mean, you're not going to I'll tell you what number she is this year, dude. She's a... Uh, Number ninety-seven, unbelievable. I see. This is what I'm talking about. I, I, Ari, that you, you guys. Every now and then, you have some typos, and it's okay. I always defend you on it because anyone can make a mistake. Let's put our retractions in so we can get the right uh, PWI Women's One Hundred, the Duke Loves Wrestling Edition, just so we can make everything right in the world again. Well, I guess this is the benefit of having a digital edition. That's we see. can easily make that change, and uh, people will have access to it. Not now like we got to out the twenty four thousand copies or something like that. Now you're talking. Listen, we and we'll let the whole world know. We can do a big press conference. In fact, let's do it like the old days. The PWI used to do it. We'll get a big cup. We'll get a big cup and we'll present Tessa Blanchard with it. Everything will work out, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> yes. So, so you okay? I, I I like your list. I respect your list. Of course, it's, a, it's now a knowing list. now knowing your criteria. It's the greatest list of all time. Speaking of lists, I know that Pro Wrestling Illustrated is doing the year-end awards. That's the next thing that has to be coming up on the calendar, right? Yes, that's the big thing coming up, our year-in-review issue. Um, that's coming out in two months. The digital edition will be out uh, probably about um, a little bit less than a month and a half, print edition in two months. And I should mention to your listeners, that we're also putting together the decade issue, where we have the wrestler of the decade. It's, of course, 10 years since we've had that issue. 10 years ago, 2010, Triple H was the wrestler of the decade. So we're also taking a balance for that. Wrestler of the decade. That's a, that's a tough one, Harry. You know, it's, it's a really tough. tough one. I will say, though, Charlotte Flair, without a doubt, she is the wrestler of the decade. There you go. I, I, I just made it easy for you. Okay? <laughs> Look at that. Charlotte Flair has to be wrestler of the decade. Look at all the championships she's won, all the great matches, all the match of the year candidates. How could she not be? Yeah. I will say one, one difficult thing about putting this together is you might have had somebody, somebody extraordinarily hot, say, from 2010 to 2015, or 2015 to 2020, but no one's really been consistent for the entire decade. So you, you could probably argue this in a lot of different ways. Well, I don't know about that because Charlotte Flair, I mean, she's been going for, what, seven, eight years now? Yeah, close to that. From her, her match in NXT with, with Natty going all the way to WrestleMania last year, I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who's had the resume and the quality of matches that she's had over this period. 
Yeah, I can see that. And we have not made a decision. We have not counted the ballots yet, so this is still a fluid situation. Now, do you still have the, the category of the most hated wrestler? Because let me tell you something. I got a laundry list of people that should be at the top of that list. In fact, we can we can make them all the most hated wrestler. I hope Roman Reigns doesn't uh, make the top of your list. You know, he did have leukemia. I, well, you know, it, it, Harry, I'm only judging the man by by his work, okay? The, the guy, Joe, I always say this, he might be a nice person, but Roman Reigns is a punk. You can't stand him. I can't stand Becky Lynch. I can't stand Seth Rollins. Okay? We can keep going down the list here, Harry. You know there are just people that I have problems with, and, and they mainly are all connected to each other. Do you notice that? I do see that. What, what's the other punk there? Uh, Dean Ambrose or John Moxley, whatever he wants to call himself today, uh, he's another one. I, and, and those are his friends. I'm telling you, just the whole lot of them, they should be considered uh, the, the most hated wrestlers on the planet. Well, as a complete aside, um, I don't think you've made your list of people that you don't like, but I did see how you called out uh, Cody Rhodes regarding uh, AEW and its lack of uh, female talent on, on the show Dynamite. Well, you know, Harry, you brought it up here, and it's it's very interesting that you're trying to get back on my good side. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I tried to attack you last time. I'm successful. <laughs> You sure did. After you upset me, you tried to butter me up again. The listeners, you folks know, I've been calling out Cody Rhodes and the entire AEW apparatus since day one. I mean, And you got a direct response? Oh, well, I finally got a direct response. They try to ignore me, but the problem is our, our fantastic followers and listeners and, and people who are like-minded, the groundswell has continued to spread. I mean, legitimately, Harry... I was the first person to challenge them on not delivering on what they market in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, this this whole concept of diversity and inclusion and all these great buzzwords that mean something. When we saw their first pay-per-view and it really didn't reflect what they were marketing, I started asking those questions, and I got buried for it. I mean, anybody who called themselves an AEW fan, they jumped all over me about it, and you know, Cody and, and the rest of the crew, they talked around what I said. Never talked to me directly, but they talked around, you know, the, the issues that I brought up. And I guess they felt like it was going to go away. Unfortunately, as time has gone on and now that they have the TV show and what have you, these same issues are, are so glaring that you can't ignore it anymore. I mean, there's no reason why your, your women's champion should be on your web show and not be on your main show. Uh, yeah, especially a two-hour program. Yeah. A two-hour program. And, and, and on top of that, you act as if if you have more than one women's match on your two-hour program, uh, the boogeyman is going to jump out and get you or something. Like they, they're, they're allergic to having more than one women's match on a two-hour program, Harry. It, it just, mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I'm just really hoping that they pay attention to that aspect in, in the coming months. And uh, I still have faith that they're going to turn this around regarding the women. Because really, to me, that, that's their only flaw right now. Well, and unfortunately, it's a glaring flaw when you marketed. When you marketed, you were going to take women's wrestling seriously, and you're going to treat them equally. It's clear that that's not happening. I mean, you can tell with the amount of time that they have as far as development of their storylines. You know, people still don't really know much about Rio. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a 
that's a complete and utter fail because she's your woman's champion. She she is legitimately the most important champion in your company. I mean, she and, and Chris Jericho, they are the face of the company. So why is it that we know so much about Jericho and he has the funny skits and he does all these other great things, and yet Rio is, is like an afterthought? Most people, mm-hmm. they couldn't even pick her out of a police lineup, man, which is a real big problem. I think we, little, we know a little bit more about uh, Britt Baker. I think mainly because she's a dentist, and that's an easy handle, and it's something easy to explain. Even that is just, it just makes me scratch my head. Because if you're going to go with this she's a dentist thing, then just have her say that every time she talks. I'm a dentist. And then just wait for the for the crowd to boo her for saying it. You know, so right. even the, the simple basic wrestling stuff, they don't want to apply it to the women, but the focus on the men is so strong and so specific, and they got multiple storylines going. And, you know, there are things that are constantly happening. And, and even in the main event, you notice that there's always somebody different in the main event, but it's just this excitement around it. And then you get the women, and it's just like, oh, what's going on? Oh, right. So I just... Uh, it's over the yes. thought. Cody, Cody Rhodes, to his credit, he did say... He appreciated me pointing out these issues and that um, he said, let's make that happen. So, I mean, Harry, you saw that. What, what do you think? Is, is Cody asking me to to help him develop his women's division or something? What does he mean, let's make that happen? What, what do you I, think don't, that I think he's mainly just trying to buy some time. <laughs> and, I, and I think, uh, you know, he himself, you know, he's only got an attention span that can go, you know, so long. He's in the main event mix. He's, you know, integral to the company. I just think it's a matter of his focus, uh, maybe working with Brandy. Um, I'm very confident they'll make it happen. But I, I think I think in his response to you, he was just begging for more time. Well, I, I'm not going to give him any time, Harry. I'm going to be live. Apparently <laughs> not. Absolutely. I, I'm going to be all over AEW because, again, if you, if you didn't market that you were going to deliver on these things, then it's probably going to take me a while before I start asking where it's at. But well, you know, he's made even, they've made even bolder claims regarding African Americans. I mean, how do you feel about that? You know, he gave this interview to uh, Wrestling Sheets where he compared it, it you know, that the that wrestling had to change. It had to reflect, you know, African Americans, you know, dominating the NBA and the NFL. And uh, how do you think they're coming along in that regard? I mean, no one has to even. Yes, uh, I, I've been all over them about that same issue, the fact that there are zero, like literally zero, black singles wrestlers who are being presented as stars and who are involved in anything that even remotely resembles a storyline on Dynamite or the pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have Sonny Kiss. Where's Sonny Kiss? <laughs> they right, do nothing right. with him. And, and, and the fact that he's literally the only example that we can use, some people want to say Scorpio Sky. Scorpio Sky was, was is, is in a tag team, and I think Christopher Daniels has had more singles matches than Scorpio Sky, even though they're in the same team. Yeah. I don't know how that works, but for Cody to say he doesn't understand why there aren't more black male wrestlers in wrestling and why, you know, he doesn't see enough of them, and we need to have more. And just like you said, it should reflect what, what sports looks like and what have you, because there's no shortage of black male athletes, that's for sure. 
you run a wrestling promotion, pal. <laughs> you could snap your fingers and you could feature yeah. whatever the hell you want at any time. Where is it? You know? Yeah. He, he signed some kid uh, recently who has to learn how to wrestle first before he's going to be able to get out of there. Out there. It, I, I mean, it, was that his answer? I don't know, but it just. So, so my my response yeah. to that generally, just to answer your question, Harry, is that I'm just completely disappointed in him. I, th- I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of marketing of things that they do not deliver on, and I'm starting to wonder if they ever had any intention on delivering in the first place. I mean, I like to think that they do have great intentions and they do want to go in that direction. And, you know, just as often, Brandy mentions, you know, more females behind the scenes working in executive positions and, you know, even on the ring crew and behind the camera, things like that. Um, I think we just get, have to get more time. But uh, I think they'll get there faster with more, more people holding them, you know, to what they promised. Oh, and, and I guess that's my biggest challenge. I don't believe you deserve any time if you've told me before you even started that this is what you're going to do. I want to see you walk into the room with that diversity. I want to see you in your first event give me women's matches that are one of the top three matches of the night. You know, like literally the top of your card, nine times out of ten, the last few matches that are featured are the matches that you built your card around. Do you realize that out of, out of all the uh, events that they've had, pay-per-view or TV show, I'm not counting dark, but out of all the events that they've had that have been televised, so to speak, there's only been one women's match that made it into one of the last three matches of the night. I mean, they got yeah. months. They, they, they're, they're almost a year old at this point, Harry. Come on. So, oh, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess that's all we can do. I guess yeah. Speaking of keeping our fingers crossed, what's your take on this thing with the the NWA and Jim Cornette? I mean, just the entire world, because it's, it's transcended wrestling at this point. It, it, it trended number one on Twitter. Jim Cornette made a very, very ridiculous, uh, I guess he calls it a joke, on NWA power. Um, it was definitely... A, a joke that was in poor taste. He talked about Trevor Murdoch strapping a bucket of KFC on his back and riding through Ethiopia on a on a motorcycle, and, and he'd be able to survive. Just a just a, an old tired racist joke that I guess they were trying to shield it with you know it's Ethiopia and they used to have a famine, so you know people are hungry. Well, it goes a little deeper than that because the majority of the people in Ethiopia are what they're black, and you're talking about fried chicken. And you're a guy who's from where you're from, and you put it all together, and it's just a complete, you could have avoided even putting yourself in that position. So Cornette had to resign from the NWA. What's your take on that whole controversy there, Harry? Because I'm sure you've at least heard about it. Well, you know, first of all, I'm a big Jim Cornette fan as far as, you know, what he presents on television. And as far as the NWA product, I think he was very important to it as far as as far as being that connection to Jim Crockett Promotions 30 years uh, earlier. Um, you know, they had sort of like a fleeting relationship with Tony Schiavone, but Jim Cornette was really that link that made that studio show NWA Power really feel like 
hey, we're back at 6.05 Saturday night, you know, 1986. Um, but th- this joke you're referencing, uh, he was using that joke 30 years ago. And I distinctly remember he said that, well, in this context, he was talking about Trevor Murdoch, trying to put him over as a tough person, the fact that he could you know, ride his uh, motorcycle through Ethiopia. But he said the exact same thing about Big Bubba Rogers, you know, who was his bodyguard, uh, along with Midnight Express. Um, the, one issue here is some of the talent in the NWA needs to stop thinking of themselves as just an assemblage of independent workers. And maybe Billy Corgan has to think of them differently, too, because, you know, you have to present a unified product, a unified brand. And these may be the opinions strictly of Cornette, but it reflects on your brand, especially when it gets through your editing process. Um, and then it got this far. And then it took this long for Cornette to be brought out on it. That's the really disappointing part. So I think we really need a, a, a greater explanation from Billy Corgan other than a letter posted on the NWA website. Um, it's a real shame because I think most of us agree NWA power is the best hour in wrestling per week, for sure. And you see how the NWA has been struggling for decades. And it seemed like, you know, make all this, gaining momentum for the company, but this NWA power, I think that was successful beyond their wildest dreams as far as the critical acclaim for it. And for Cornette to make this mistake and for him to be allowed to make that mistake, um, I think really an explanation is in order. That, that's well said. That's well said, Harry. And, and just out of curiosity, if, if you have the opportunity to interview Billy Corgan what's one question that that would come to mind that you would ask him as it relates to all of this if if you you know what's what's like a, a I don't want to say the number one question but what do you feel is an important question to ask as it relates to this well he strikes me as a hands-on owner and I'm not surprised by that because he's a big fan of wrestling and of his he's a fan of his own product I would like to know when he himself first viewed that episode. And I, I think we could start from, from there. That's a that's a heck of a, a question, and that's a great question to ask. Uh, and, you know, hey, look, Billy Corgan, you're listening. I think that's a question that you should answer. Put it out there. You can, you can, at Harry, Harry, what's your Twitter handle? <laughs> it's at Harry Burkett 1. That's right. That's right. You can <laughs> at Harry Burkett 1. And answer that question because look, I'm with you 100%, Harry, and I, I have put myself on the line every single week since day one about this NWA power. I've put that show over to the moon, and I'll take it even a step further. When when very few people were paying attention to the NWA, it wasn't as mainstream as it had been in previous years. On this show, Duke Loves Wrestling, I was interviewing guys like James Beard, the legendary referee who was also uh, operations director for the NWA. I was interviewing guys like Tim Storm when he was the NWA champion. And, you know, you look in our archives, I I would dare to say 
on Duke Loves Wrestling, we have the definitive Tim Storm interview. I mean, there's so much detail and, and everything that we go into. So when that when that NWA Power show, the first episode, when it aired, and people were asking, well, who's this Tim Storm guy? They went back to, to my show and, and listened to the interview just to gain a little bit more understanding of who he is and what his history was and stuff. My point is, I've been supporting the NWA. For them to allow a, a, just a, a racist, ridiculous joke like that to make air, it truly is just disappointing. And, and I hope that, like you said, Billy Corgan, um, he needs to come out with, a, with, with some information, not only about what happened and, and how it happened, but where they're going to be going from here. And, and like you said, a little bit more than just that couple of lines statement that they put out there, because that's just not enough. Not enough. Right, so, right. That's well said there, Harry. Listen, you know, as as always, Harry Burkett, you put me in a position where you work me up, you wind me up, and I think you and I are going to have our, our uh, no-holds-barred grudge match. And then in the end, we're, we're laughing and joking like we always do. I just don't understand it. Yeah, but we're, hey, speaking of the NWA, we're like Mick Aldis and Marty Skrull. You know, we <laughs> take it to the limit. Uh we think uh, we'll never speak again, but then in the end, we hug. It's true. It's very true. It's very true. So you, you already gave us your Twitter handle. Tell everybody how they can uh, reach out to PWI as well. Well, our website is pwi-online.com. And uh, there's all kinds of things on there. Um, it has, has excerpts from the current issue. You can look at the covers of all the back issues of PWI. And we'll also let you know back uh, issue availability. And most importantly, we have the PWI podcast um, that is uh, now done by uh, Al Castle. It, it was done uh, previously by Al Castle and his broadcast partner, Dan Murphy. But Dan Murphy has uh, left the magazine after 22 years. So Al's kind of weaning it on his own for now. Um, but there's some really great archival stuff, some interviews with top stars. I know they've talked to your favorite, Roman Reigns and Rey Mysterio. And uh, and lots of times uh, the podcast will include the transcripts, or not transcripts, but a tape of our hot seat interview. So Al Castle would do a long-hour interview with someone. Well, many times we'll put excerpts, audio excerpts, on the podcast. Great stuff, great stuff, and, and definitely uh, my best to Dan Murphy. He's, how long was he there? He was there for a while, right? Right. We started the same year, 1997. He uh, came on board maybe six months after I did, and uh, we've kind of enjoyed a professional relationship from afar. Uh, I've either worked in the office in Philadelphia or most of the time at my home in Maryland. Uh, Dan is based in... Uh, upstate New York, I think near the Buffalo area. And um, I would say since 2006, 2008, he has really been the workhorse for PWI, um, putting together, spearheading the PWI 500 and the women's 100 we were just talking about, especially the women's 100. I know uh, the women's 100, previously the female 50, kind of came up in casual conversation in the office. 
And I know I suggested the female 50, but I know others had been thinking about it as well. But it was Dan who really spearheaded it, did the research, made contacts with a lot of these uh, female wrestlers, and really brought it from 50 up to 100 last year. So that was a big deal for us. Uh, so we're going to miss Dan, mainly because you wrote so many words in the magazine. Stu actually sat down recently, and I don't know how he has this much time on his hands, but he added up all the words that Dan Murphy had written for PWI, and it was over $2.5 million. So we're going to miss Dan. Yeah, we're definitely going to miss Dan 100% and uh, appreciate his contribution to the pro wrestling community through uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. But, you know, we still have you, Harry, which I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> I'm still hanging in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I haven't beaten you up enough to make you say I'm done with this. So I, I, that, I that's correct, that. yeah. <laughs> well, Harry, will definitely have you back. In fact, um, when the year-end awards issue comes out, let, let's have you come back, and, and hopefully you'll have some good news for me. I know. I, I know we kind of, or at least I brought the fact maybe Kofi Kingston would be in the running for Wrestler of the Year. I still hope that's the case, but I really don't have any leads yet as to who's going to come out on top. Of course, that's all reader-driven. We count the votes, folks. We do count the votes. And listen, I, I will put my neck on the line and say Pro Wrestling Illustrated is a legitimate publication. That's why I love having Harry Burke come on the show because... You know, his work with he and the team there, I, I, I'm a lifelong fan. And absolutely 100%, they continue to put out some of the greatest quality pro wrestling content that you can get. So, folks, please check out Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It's still around. It is still the gold standard. And folks like Harry Burkett, make sure of it. Right now, I'll just throw out there that the print edition of the Women's 100 issue is coming out Tuesday, November 26th. The digital edition's already out there, but if you want a print copy, that'll be on newsstands on Tuesday. It's always a great time to talk to Harry Burkett. He is just, he's a good man. I don't know who wins. I don't know who loses. I, I always feel like I'm getting the upper hand on him, but in the end, Harry's still in PWI. They're still doing whatever they want. They're disregarding me, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> But I'm not gonna start. I'm not gonna stop fighting here, you know. So thank you, Harry. Shout out to PWI. I love that publication. I'm a lifelong fan, lifelong reader. I just really appreciate the classics, man. And and they continue to do it right. They don't. They don't get it right all the time, you know. They got Becky Lynch on the on the cover of the of the PWI Women's 100. She's the number one wrestler according to them, which is not true. Everybody knows it's Tessa Blanchard. Everybody knows that Thunder Rosa, a.k.a. Serpentine, she should be in the top five. Everybody knows that. But other than that, you know, PWI gets it right. So they're not perfect, but they're still working on it, which is great. Listen, folks, before I go, I once again, I, I just wanted to talk about this Jim Cornette thing and just say, hey, if you are a fan or a friend of Jim Cornette, it is okay for you to say, hey, friend. What you did is wrong and leave it at that. I'm sick and tired of hearing people say, well, you know, Jim Cornette's not a racist. He's never been a racist to me. Or, or what he said wasn't so bad. It's not so racist. Everybody's so sensitive today. Every, you know, society is just sensitive today. Folks, there has never been a time in history where somebody 
didn't take offense to being marginalized. That somebody didn't take offense to bigots saying bigoted things. Never been a time in history where that hasn't happened. It's always been that way. The difference today is the folks who have been marginalized so much, you you, you beat them down so much that they're not taking it anymore. That's all it is. It used to be that the bigots had the loudest voice in the room. That's not the case anymore. The scales have been tipped and, you know, at the very least, a little bit more even now. How do you complain about bigoted comments being called out? How is that weak? Why would you complain about that? Why would you be upset that you can no longer freely say something bigoted and no one is going to say to you, hey, that's wrong. That's not you shouldn't say that or you're disgusting for it or tell you what you are, which is a bigot for saying these bigoted things. How, how do you how do you take offense to that? You think it's wrong for somebody to tell you they're not going to put up with your bigoted nonsense anymore? How does that work? When you marginalize women, when you marginalize LGBTQ folks, when you're saying these racist things to people, you're a damn bigot. I don't need to sugarcoat that. And I don't give a damn if if that insults you in any way because you've insulted yourself and the whole whole planet when you said the bigoted things that you said and that goes for everybody that it applies to including you Jim Cornette it's not a joke it's not funny I'm not giving you a pass because I think that you're a wrestling genius which you are you know more about wrestling than, than I'll ever know you're a historian you know, and you tell some great stories, but you're a damn bigot. And I can say that freely because you've you've exhibited your bigoted views constantly. It's excessive. It's almost as if you have no control over it. And you and you cultivated a fan base of bigots who think it's funny. Who think that they have to complain when somebody says, hey, that's not right. Oh, come on. You're too sensitive. Give me a break. Who the hell do you think you are that you're going to impose your bigoted views on me and I can't say to you that's wrong? Who do you think you are? You think you can go unchecked for talking to people that way? For making these stupid remarks? How how dare you go on to a, a, a program that everyone gets to hear and say the nasty garbage that you said? And then you want to look at people who call you out for it and take issue with that? Give me a break. And I'm going to tell you right now, Dave Lagana, shame on you, by the way. You put out a ridiculous statement on behalf of the NWA stating that you guys took what Cornette said down. You took the whole episode of Power down and you're going to edit it because some of your fans were offended. That is the that is the biggest crock of crap. That is a cowardly response. That is a tone deaf response. That's an embarrassing response. And you ought to be ashamed of yourself, Dave Lagana and everybody in the NWA, if that's how you you initially felt. Some of your fans were offended. You should have taken it down because it was offensive, period. You should have taken it down because it, it, it shouldn't have been up in the first place. And whoever's doing quality control over there, 
Somebody needs to performance manage that person. Now, Jim Cornette tendered his resignation in the NWA. He's gone, right? And I'm sure there was pressure put on him because you guys are feeling the pressure from the, from the viewers to stop doing business with this guy. And that pressure has been mounting even before this because he's been saying bigoted stuff all along, right? But to think that you're going to hide behind, well, some people were offended, as opposed to saying, hey, it should have never been said in the first place. This is garbage. It should have never even made the air. It's cowardly. It's embarrassing. And Dave Lagana, you shared some garbage on Twitter that's cowardly and embarrassing as well. Your own damn self. Somebody needs to take a look at the garbage that you say half the damn time or that you share to the world, retweeting and what have you. It's embarrassing. Billy Corgan, get your act together. Get your house in order. NWA Power quite frankly, is the best hour of wrestling out there. I've been saying it since day one. But if you think for one second you're going to get a pass with putting out that type of bigoted garbage, and then you got the damn Austin Idol nonsense about the kayfabe cocktail, give this to your neighbor, this, this colorless, tasteless drink, and then you'll be able to get lucky. Are you kidding me? Who the hell, what are you guys doing over there? You got, a, you got a great concept that you're just ruining. It's like you don't want to be successful. I don't get it. And Billy Corgan, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for allowing this to continue to happen. And Dave Lagana, you can go to hell. Some of your fans were offended. What? I'm telling you right now, man. I don't I just don't even understand it. I don't get it. It's embarrassing. The whole thing is embarrassing. Jim Cornette is saying so and so, somebody should hang so and so, and this one should kill himself and tell the woman get back in the kitchen toots and all this other that's not funny. And if you're you're a degenerate who thinks that type of talk is funny, this this bigoted garbage is funny. The same Jim Cornette who said he, he dropped the N-word on somebody because he wanted to piss them off. That's not funny. It's embarrassing. So, hey, that you listen. Folks, you know where I stand. <laughs> There's never been any bones made about where I stand on any of these issues. And I don't give a damn. Okay. I don't care if if the NWA never wants to interact with me ever. If you never send of your talent to come on this show, if you never want to have anything to do with me, that's fine. This may be a situation where we don't have anything to do with you either. Because what's not going to happen is we're not going to sit there and support bigoted garbage. And you got some great folks in that company, which is the is the real biggest shame of it all. Yeah, people like Tim Storm, Thunder Rosa, Allison Kay. The kid Ricky Sparks is unbelievable. The question mark. Marty Bell. You got some talented people in that company. How, how do you how do you piss this away? How do you mess this up? Oh, I mean it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. So 
You don't have to put up with with nonsense, folks, and don't ever let any bigot tell you you're too sensitive for letting them know that you're not going to put up with their bigoted garbage. That's not how it works. You stand up, you use your voice, and you let them know where the line is. And when they cross it, you let them know in very clear and certain terms with your voice, with your action. Okay? The last thing NWA needs is for people to say, you know something? Maybe this product isn't where it needs to be. Hey, YouTube, why are you promoting this bigoted garbage? Kayfabe cocktail, talking about drugging women and and getting lucky with them after that. Give me a break. This is what happens. We start taking a look at other things that you got going on. This is what happens. Get it together, NWA. Period. I want to thank my guest this week. Of course, the Beast of Wild Superheroes. We'll see. Hey, maybe should become champion. Never know. Roy Lucia, the super fan. And of course, Harry Burkett from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Just, you know, really top-notch guest, man. Very, I'm, I'm fortunate uh, to be able to deliver on what you folks asked for. You asked me to get the Beast. I gave you the Beast. A lot of you folks asked for more wrestling nerd content you want to hear about things and hey bring on Roy Lucia you want to hear me debate about the hottest topics going on well you got the women's 100 from Pro Wrestling Illustrated okay fine get Harry Burkett back in there this is what we do so good stuff good stuff all right join me next week where I will recap WWE Survivor Series NXT TakeOver WoW Superhero Season 2 Finale we'll recap all that stuff Of course, we'll bring you another top-notch interview. Till then, be kind to yourselves, be kind to others. This is the Duke. Bye-bye. Mr. Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.